know if I dare try this again, but uh, this weather really blows, right? It's windy out there today, but it's really cool in here. Another joke right there? Come on. I have a friend, Roger Bird. Some of you know Roger Bird. He's a pastor at the bridge in Allegan. He always starts every message with a joke. It's usually like a, a corny dad joke, and it creates lots of groans, but uh, the, the best part of Roger's jokes is the way he laughs at his own jokes. So uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm thinking about maybe I should start with jokes. Hey, I'm glad you guys remembered to set your clocks ahead. Uh, there, there might be some people showing up here in about 45 minutes uh, that forgot. Please extend some grace to them. My family did that once. I, I probably shared this before this time of year. When I was young, uh, we went to a church up in Cadillac and uh, we forgot, totally forgot about the time change. We, showed, we were always late as a family, family of five kids. And so we, we showed up late and everyone was standing up already singing a song. So we waited in the back and then at the end, they all turned around and started walking toward us. Very embarrassing. We totally, totally missed the time change, totally missed the gathering. So if anyone does that today, uh, let's extend them some grace, shall we? So last week, um, if you were here, I was not. I was out of town. I was actually out of the country. And uh, I just want to thank um, Ryan and Dwight and Ruben for taking leadership in our gathering last week. That was really special to me. Um, to be able to go away. Brendan was out of town and uh, to know that um, it was in good hands. Now, I was listening to, to Ryan's message online. You can listen to the messages online like almost immediately when the service is done. And uh, I was listening to it this week and I appreciated the beginning of, of, his, of his message. You know, he's up here and he's like, well, Matt is gone and Brendan's gone. So you got the third stringer. And I heard someone on the audio recording like, go Ryan. And then you guys all were clapping. I just want to say thank you. I just want to say, say thank you to the Victory Point family for um, encouraging Ryan and blessing him with your support last week. That tells me that you um, understand and value the value that he was talking about last Sunday, which was development over delivery. You, you, were, you were supporting Ryan in his ongoing journey of development as a, as a leader in the kingdom of God and as a seminary student. And uh, that just means a lot to me. And I just want to bless you, Victory Point, and thank you for the, the support that you gave Ryan. And um, we believe in his development and in all of our development. Like we, we spent Tuesday morning, every Tuesday morning, we gather in my office and we debrief, you know, what happens on Sunday. And, and we offer like... Um, encouragements to each other as well as like here's some constructive things you know that, that we can all grow in and uh, so we were able to debrief with Ryan on Tuesday because we believe you can't have development without debriefing it's what Jesus did you know when Jesus sent out the disciples two by two they weren't ready they, they weren't ready to go and cast out demons and, and heal the sick and proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. But Jesus sent them anyway. And then when they came back, he sat down with them. Hey, how'd it go? They debriefed it. He offered some instruction to them. We did that with Ryan on Tuesday. This Tuesday, these guys will do that with me. They will offer some encouragement as well as, you know, some feedback for me on how I can grow in my development. So we just really believe in developing people as leaders in the kingdom of God. And uh, so I just want to say thank you um, for your encouragement and for the way that you guys really um, embodied that value last week. So last week, like I said, I, I was out of town, out of the country with my wife, Tori, and uh, we were actually in Guatemala visiting our daughter, JC. I actually have a few pictures I'm going to show this morning. 
Um, we were in Antigua, and uh, that top right picture is we're inside this little trike taxi. Like, it's this little tiny thing, like three-wheeled taxi. And uh, that's a, that was one of the modes of transportation that we enjoyed while in Antigua. But we were down in Guatemala visiting JC. For those of you who are new, just a quick backstory. Um, for those of you who know this, let me just say this again. Uh, our daughter, JC, she's 18. She decided to take a gap year between high school and college. And uh, she kind of hooked up with an organization called Adventures in Mission, who I have a ton of respect for the more and more I hang out with this organization. And she's on a, a gap year world race, which means for nine months, she is part of a squad of 40-some people. And she has a team of eight specific girls that she teams up with. And they are going to four different countries, three different continents over nine months. So she spent her first two months. She left in September, spent her first two months in Ecuador. Then a month in the rainforest in Peru, right by the Amazon River. Just wrapped up three months in Guatemala. And uh, now is in Cambodia. Uh, On Tuesday of this past week, she left Guatemala and on Friday, she finally got to Cambodia. So from Tuesday to Friday, she was in airplanes and airports uh, making her way to Cambodia. We had the, the privilege of talking with her last night. She had some Wi-Fi available, and uh, she's doing great. Um, it's like 100 degrees. It's supposed to just get hotter, and uh, she's going to have an adventure now in Cambodia. But we were able to be part of a parent vision trip um, with JC and her team and her squad down in Guatemala, particularly in Antigua. So we spent, you know, five days in Antigua hanging out with JC, hanging out with her team and her squad. I got to tell you, being around 40 plus 18 to 22 year olds who are in the word every day and worshiping every night and doing ministry all day, like it's like Holy Spirit bonfire kind of thing. Like it was just so inspiring uh, to be around them. Um, I'm so encouraged, and I'll say it again, I'm so inspired by this generation and in, in, um, what, what they're going after in the kingdom of God and, and in the way they're seeking to live as missionaries in the kingdom of God. Um, it was such a cool experience. But I want to share about one experience in particular, show a few pictures here. Um, what we see here is uh, these are pictures from a village called San Lorenzo. And San Lorenzo is a tiny village northwest of Antigua. And uh, this is a village where JC and her team of eight girls, or is it nine girls, um, nine total, like, every, like probably two or three times a week, I think, they would go to this village and they partnered with an organization called One Way, which was 18 to 25-year-olds in Guatemala who have a heart for this village and want to plant a church in this village. So JC's team and, and the One Way team like partnered together over the last three months and they did uh, ministry to children um, out on this big field and uh, they just met families and and prayed with people and JC would get from her base to this village in that bus up there on the upper left the the gringos call it the chicken bus and Guatemala and maybe Latin America as a whole is where school buses go to be reincarnated I mean they, they go like you see school buses all over the place and they're all chromed out and painted and that's the public transportation. So JC and her team would take a bus from her base to this little village, you know, multiple times a week. And right across the street from their bus stop was this little shop in the upper right. And it's actually like this little bread store. It's, actually, it's also a home. Um, and there they met, you know, these two individuals. The, the guy in the bottom left and the woman on the bottom right is... Um, 
Guadalupe and Marie Elena. Okay, this is older couple that, that run this bread store. And uh, they looked out one day when JC and her team were at this bus stop. And the, the guy came running out. And he, he doesn't speak English. And he's like, missionaries, missionaries. And uh, he, re, he had met some of the world racers who had previously been there before JC and her team. And uh, they had come in and prayed with them. And uh, so he saw these, you know, white girls across at the bus stop, assumed they must be missionaries, invited them in because his wife needed prayer. And so they came in, JC speaks Spanish, and uh, so they, they prayed over her in the bottom right. She was dealing with some ulcers and things like that. She experienced some healing, and that developed this relationship where every time they were at this bus stop, you know, they would invite them in, and they would make tortillas, and they'd give them lemonade, and they, they just loved on these girls, and these girls loved on them, and they, they became sort of their, their surrogate grandpa and grandma away from home, so much so that uh, I was looking at JC's um, Instagram uh, today, actually, this morning, and she posted a picture, you know, of them, and, and she says, one of the places I'm going to miss most from Guatemala, and she had a picture of, of this woman. And um, she, she calls them uh, abuelo and abuela. Is that right, Ruben? Like grandpa and grandma? We, we good? Okay. Um, so that became grandpa and grandma. Abuelo with his love of making bread and showing us the process. Abuela with her sass, always throwing up her hands and peace signs for the photos. And she had a photo like the grandma's like this, you know, in the photo. And, uh, you know, and, and she's going to miss their house with its welcoming atmosphere, a place where so many meals and prayers and laughter took place. I mean, just listen to that. She misses their house with its welcoming atmosphere, a place where so many meals, so many meals and prayers and laughter took place. It's hard to believe that a place where our bus stopped two times a day could turn into a place that we call our grandma's house. It was one of the hardest spots to say goodbye to but I'm so thankful that we got to call it home for three months. And we actually got to be a part of the day when they were saying goodbye to grandpa and grandma because when we were there for our five days um, with other parents, uh, it was kind of the end of their time in Guatemala. And so we were there that day when they said goodbye to this, this, this man and woman who had become grandpa and grandma to them. And here's a few pictures of that. Uh, so um, I, I think this was on... Friday of our stay down there, um, we went to this village and we went to their house and they had invited all the girls plus all their parents to come have a meal at their house. And it's not a big place. They, they took all their equipment, you know, um, from their little shop and store that was usually in the front of their store and they moved it across the street under a canopy to create space in their home. And they borrowed, you could tell, they borrowed tables and, and plastic chairs and little plastic stools and they, they, they converted their home in their store to a place where like 30 or so of us could have a meal. And, and it was not just like tortillas and lemonade. Like these, these people don't have much, but they went all out in hospitality to, to, to feed us. And, and you, could, you could even see, you know, some of the food. It was like heaping plates of food and, and big baskets of warm tortillas. And, and we, you know, we, we were thinking we would just go there and meet them. And then we were going to go around the village and pray with people. We spent our whole afternoon here. Once we got there, we could tell like, this is going to take a while. We're going to be here for a while, and that's okay. We need to let go of our, you know, our, of our Western time crunch agenda and just be in the moment, just be fully present. 
And, and they, they lavished food and drink upon us and fellowship around the table. And there were stories being told about, you know, the girl's time over the last three months. And, and then it turned into where, um, you know, Guadalupe brought us back into the back part. And he showed us how he bakes, you know, breads and treats and things like that in this big wood-fired brick oven. And then it turned into, like, praying. In the bottom left, you could see, like, they're kind of gathered, you know, um, around grandma, around Maria Elena, and she, she, had, she was experiencing some health problems. So they, the, the girls were all praying for her, and then they would just pray again, and she experienced healing. And then her daughter said, well, I, my shoulder hurts. So then they prayed for her, and she experienced healing. And then the granddaughters, you know, she was experiencing some headaches and some anxiety, so they prayed around her, and she experienced some healing. I mean, it just turned into this rich, amazing, awesome time of, of fellowship you know, around the table. And around the table, in that humble bread store in San Lorenzo, Guatemala, we experienced grace. We experienced community. And we experienced mission. And sometimes I think we underestimate the role that meals can play in, the life, in life, in ministry, and in the kingdom of God. Uh, there's a guy, Simon Holt, he wrote a book called Dinner with the Family. He says this. He said, our life at the table, no matter how mundane, is sacramental. It's a means through which we encounter the mystery of God. I mean, think about all that happens around your table. Whatever that table is in your house, whatever that piece of furniture is in your house, maybe it's the, the formal dining room table. You know, maybe it's the the little nook or booth or table in the kitchen. Maybe it's the island with some stools around it. I mean, think of all that happens around the table. Maybe it's maybe even a a table at a restaurant, you know, or a coffee shop. Think of all the, the news that gets shared and the stories that get told around the table. Think of all the joking and the laughter that happens around the table. Think of, of how values get um get learned and caught and taught around the table. Think of all the people who have found a home, a place of belonging, a sense of community, family, around the simplicity of the table. Think of all the the love that has perhaps blossomed across the table as you sit across from someone at a restaurant with a candlelight. And think of maybe even like marriage proposals that have happened, you know, across the table. Think, think of all the, the, the comfort that has been extended to people across the table. Think of all the, the important decisions that maybe you or your, your family has made around the table. Perhaps you've experienced reconciliation with someone around the table. The laughter, the memories. Think about how food and drink connect us. I came back from Guatemala with a, a bag of coffee that JC bought for me and gave to me because she met this guy who, who makes coffee in his home. And I think it even has like a picture. I think his name is Fred. I think it's on the bag. Like, so, so Saturday morning, I, I, I put the beans in my grinder and grind it up and I make coffee and I'm suddenly connected with Fred down in Guatemala who, who, who made this coffee. Or, or when you go to the farmer's market. Maybe you like to go to the farmer's market on, on Saturdays or Wednesdays and you bring home fresh fruits and vegetables and you have this kind of sacramental connection now, you know, with those who, who made it. You know, food enables us to be blessed by people around the world 
and also enables us to bless people around the world. So what we're going to do beginning today and throughout the, the Lent season, we're, we're, we're launching a series called A Meal with Jesus. Grace, community, and mission around the table. And uh, just up front, I'll say it's based on a book by the same title that I picked up years ago. It's been on my shelf and it just felt like, man, this might be a good thing to journey through in the season of Lent. It's called A Meal with Jesus by Tim Chester. And what we're going to do throughout Lent, leading up to Easter, we're going to journey with Jesus through the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to pay a special attention. We're going to zoom in each Sunday on the different meals that Jesus had with different people in his ministry. And we're going we're to see what we can learn about God. And we're going to see what we can learn about ourselves. We're going to see what we can learn about others. In this series, A Meal with Jesus, it's going to take us all the way up to the cross and that last meal that Jesus had with his disciples before being arrested and tortured and crucified. This, this series is going to take us all the way up to Easter, Resurrection Sunday, when we look at that meal that Jesus had with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, the resurrected Jesus. Meals with Jesus. We're going to let the meals of Jesus sort of be our window our window into Jesus' message of grace and in the way that that message of grace defines community and mission. I'll talk more about that towards the end, but for now, um, that's where we're going. Let me pray and we'll kind of dive in today. Father, thank you that, that we can gather here today. Thank you that we can gather around this communion table today. Lord, Open our eyes, our ears, our minds, and our hearts to Jesus in the Gospel of Luke over these next six weeks. Help us to see Jesus in God, maybe in some fresh ways. Help us to see people in new ways. Help us to see people the way Jesus sees people. Help us to see ourselves the way that Jesus sees us. And Lord, we just... We acknowledge here at the beginning of this series that, that we want to feast on the good things of the kingdom of God. Lord, we think of Jesus' words, strange words in the Gospel of John, where, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And, and he goes on to say, like, unless you eat my flesh and, and, and drink my blood, like you can have no part of me, Lord. That's a picture to us. We, we don't want to just keep you on the outside. We don't want to just keep you at a distance. We, we, want, we want to put you inside of us. We want to experience you in us. We want to consume you. We, 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 want, to, we want to feast on the good things of the kingdom of God uh, in this series. And, and not just so we can receive it, but so we can, we can manifest it. And so that we can embody it. So that we can incarnate it. So that we can offer it to everyone around us. So Lord, as we begin this journey in the Gospel of Luke, um, we prepare our heart soil. Lord, we, we remove the thorns and, and the rocks and, and we, we, we say, um, word of God, fall on good soil. Take root and become fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, um, I wanna show you a commercial, okay? Uh, it's a commercial that I, I don't remember when it popped up. I, I remember seeing it around Super Bowl time. Maybe it was just before that. 
But uh, you've probably seen this commercial, but uh, I want you to watch this. So Seth, why don't you go ahead and play that? They make good commercials. But what, what feelings arise when you watch that commercial? And does, anything, does anything stir in your heart, maybe even deeper in your soul? I mean, when I first saw that commercial, I mean, I'll admit, like, I just wanted to grab a chair and join in. I, I mean, if I saw that happening around me, I'd want to grab a chair, even one of these chairs, and, and follow along. I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out on, on where everyone's going. I don't want to miss out on that, that table. And it makes me think, that commercial makes me think of, of something Isaiah said. In Isaiah 25, 6. In, in the whole book of Isaiah, you know, like, um, it, it's this prophecy. And, and Isaiah is, is pointing ahead at times in his book and in his words and to, to the last days. And he's talking about the... The mountain of the Lord's temple is going to be established and and all the nations are going to stream to it. And then he says this in in Isaiah 25. He says, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples. A banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. It's, It's not uncommon, especially if you're looking for it, you'll discover that as you read the scriptures, as you read the Old Testament and the New Testament, the fulfillment of, of the kingdom of God, you know, heaven, when things are going to be all put to right again, it's often described or depicted in the scriptures as a banquet, as a great banquet, as a feast, as a meal, a meal. Jesus, uh, you know, he, he continued this. In, in the New Testament, you know, at different spots even in the New Testament, I'll draw our attention to one of them. In Luke, Luke 13, 29, Jesus is, is teaching and he talks about how people will come from the east and the west and the north and the south and they will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. That reminds me of that commercial. People coming from all over with their chairs to take their spot at the table of God, at the great banquet at the feast that will be the culmination of the kingdom of God. Meals are a significant metaphor in scriptures. But but I want to suggest to us today, as as we begin this series, that meals are more than just pictures. And it's bigger than just a, a teaching metaphor that Jesus used or Isaiah would use to describe the Father's kingdom and its culmination. I would suggest to us 
that meals were more than just metaphors. They were also Jesus' method. They were also one of his primary methods of kingdom bringing. That meals were part of Jesus' mission strategy. That meals were significant ways in which Jesus both declared and demonstrated the good news of the kingdom of heaven. That Jesus didn't merely come teaching about the great feast or the great banquet or the great table. That Jesus came feasting. He came feasting. Tim Chester, the one who who wrote this book that this series is based on, he says this. He says, Jesus spent his time eating and drinking, a lot of his time. His mission strategy was a long meal stretching into the evening. He did evangelism and discipleship around a table with some grilled fish, a loaf of bread, and a pitcher of wine. I love that kind of evangelism and discipleship. I can do that. As you read through Luke's gospel, which we're going to invite all of us to do over the next six weeks. As you read through Luke's gospel, I invite us to pay special attention to all the different times Jesus had food and drink with people. Jesus had meals with people. Pay attention to all the times you see Jesus having meals with people or using meals in his teaching. I'll give you some. Like in Luke 5. There's a story of Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners in the home of Levi. In Luke 7, Jesus is eating a meal at the house of Simon the Pharisee and he's anointed by a sinful woman. In Luke 9, Jesus creates a meal. He he feeds 5,000 plus people. He creates this big meal for everyone to participate in and partake of. In Luke 10, we have that story of Jesus having a meal with Mary and Martha. In Luke 11, Jesus condemns the Pharisees and the teachers of the law while having a meal. Luke 14, Jesus is at a meal when he urges everyone to, when you have a meal, invite the poor. Invite the poor to the meal rather than just your friends. In Luke 19, Jesus actually, I like this one, he invites himself to a meal at Zacchaeus' house. He, create, he, he doesn't wait to be invited. He invites himself over for a meal at Zacchaeus' house. In Luke 22, that's you know, a famous, we'll get to that one later today too. Like Jesus has a last meal. We call it a last meal, a last supper, communion with his disciples. Luke 24, Jesus has a meal. with The, the risen Jesus has a meal with the disciples on the way to Emmaus. And then, you know, um, it, it leads uh, Robert Karras, he, he, he wrote a book called Eating Your Way Through Luke's Gospel, which I love that title, Eating Your Way Through Luke's Gospel. He, it leads him to conclude this. As he studied the Gospel of Luke, he says, well, in Luke's Gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. Like that, that, that's where you find Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. And even when he isn't eating a meal with people, he's oftentimes using meals as a reference, as a metaphor, as an illustration in his teaching. Um, Like in Luke 14, Jesus tells a parable of a great banquet. In Luke 15, remember this story? Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son. And the prodigal son returns home. And what does the father do when the prodigal son returns home? Man, let's kill the fattened calf and let's have a party. Let's have a meal. Let's have a meal to celebrate something, someone that was lost is now found. That's, what, that's how you celebrate in the kingdom of God. 
In Luke 16, Jesus talks about a rich man and a poor man and and how the, the poor man desires to be fed from the scraps from the rich man's table. In Luke 22, after Jesus has his last meal with his disciples, he, he says he has this language where he, he assigns them the kingdom. Just like the Father assigned the kingdom to him, Jesus says, I assign the kingdom to you and that you may eat and drink at my table in the kingdom. I just want you guys to hear me, okay? I, I just want to have this disclaimer at the beginning of this service. I'm not saying we can reduce everything to a meal. You know, I'm not saying everything about Jesus or the church or ministry, like, gets reduced to meals. I mean, I I do believe, you know, Jesus' mission and and community and and grace, it's bigger than just a meal. But it's clear when you read the Gospel of Luke, especially in Luke's Gospel, that for Jesus, meals were important. Meals were an integral and a significant part of both his understanding of and his delivery of the good news of the kingdom of God. I mean, consider, consider this phrase. There, there's, there's a phrase that shows up in the New Testament. Um, talks about the, the, the son of man. Okay, the son of man. In, in the, three times in the, in the New Testament, it says the son of man, what? Well, one time it says the son of man came, to be, came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Another time in the New Testament, it says, The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. There's a third occasion in the New Testament that completes that sentence. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking. Isn't that kind of weird? I mean, the Son of Man has come eating and drinking. The first two, when you look at it, the first two are statements of purpose. Here's why the Son of Man came. I I would suggest the third statement is actually a a statement of method. Here's how the Son of Man came. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The The Son of Man came to serve and to give his life. How did he come to do those things? He came eating and drinking. Now the Son of Man... That, that was, you know, a reference back to the book of Daniel. That was Daniel's terminology phrase that he would use, you know, um, as he talked about the coming Messiah. You can read about that in Daniel 7. Now, the Jews of Jesus' day, they, they were expecting the Son of Man to come to defeat Rome, kick them out, and restore Israel, the nation of Israel, to its earthly kingdom. They, they didn't expect the Son of Man to come to serve. They didn't expect the Son of Man to come to seek and save the lost. They certainly didn't expect the Son of Man to come eating and drinking. They were expecting the Son of Man to come in glory and in power and to restore Israel. But Jesus didn't come like that. He didn't come with an army of angels. He didn't come, you know, then gloriously on on a cloud like he'll return on. He came simply. He came eating and drinking. He self-describes himself. The, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. In, in, this, in Luke 7, you know, Jesus is like, man, you know, John the Baptist, he didn't come eating and drinking, and you said he had a demon. I come, I come, the Son of Man comes eating and drinking, and you accuse me of being a drunkard and a, 
and a glutton and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Now, a glutton is someone who eats too much. A drunkard is someone who drinks too much. You don't get a reputation of being those things if you're not seriously into eating and drinking. Now, Jesus wasn't a glutton. He wasn't a drunkard. But his enemies accused him of that because he spent so much time having meals with people, eating and drinking with people. So much so that tax collectors and sinners started to call him friend. And I think that's a good thing. It's almost as if Luke 7, 24 might be this, this verse description of summarizing, I guess, one of Jesus' primary mission strategies. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. So maybe here's a, here's a big idea for today and for the series. Sharing meals with, other, with, sharing meals with others was a simple yet significant way Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven to earth. For Jesus, meals were expressions of enacted grace and community and mission. For Jesus, meals matter. And they should for us too. They should for us too. Eating and drinking. It's really not that complicated. Eating and drinking. I bet all of us in this room do that every day. I bet everyone in this room eats and drinks multiple times every day. So here's the deal. If we really mean it when we say, when we say this a lot around here, that as disciples, we want to be like Jesus and we want to do the things that Jesus did, then I'm wondering if we too should begin to view meals eating and drinking as opportunities to both experience and extend things like grace and community and hope and mission and salvation and promise around the table. Those are the themes that we're going to explore over the next six weeks. As we journey through the Gospel of Luke, looking at the meals that Jesus had with people, and, and myself, and Brendan, and Pete's going to be here, and Jesse Likes going to be up here again. We're going to dive into those themes over the next six weeks, leading us up to Easter. But, but I hope that more than just discover these things, I would really love to see us as a church put them into practice. And put them into practice even around meals. So I want to offer to us, before we close today, some ways that you can maximize your experience in this series. Just some, some supplemental elements, if you will, that I think if you invest in them will, will really um, catalyze you know, this big idea that we're talking about. So I'm gonna just give them to you right here. Here's some ways to maximize this Lenten journey. First of all, I wanna invite slash challenge all of you to read through the Gospel of Luke with us over the next six weeks. Now that's a big undertaking, there's a lot in the Gospel of Luke, um, and, and perhaps you already have you know, a, a Bible reading plan or a devotional plan that you're following. I'm not saying you have to you know, dismiss that for this, but if there's a way, you could either put that on pause, 
or add this in addition to what you're already doing, I, I think that would be really helpful. I, I would like to see all of us of all ages read through the Gospel of Luke, get into the Word of God during Lent, okay? And to help you with that, uh, Brendan has created this cool resource. Um, it's called Our Weekly Guide. And uh, you were handed this this morning when you walked in. The message notes are on one side. There's a guide on the other side. This is also available through the e-news. Each week during the e-news, you can download actually the whole series worth of this. This is also available on our website. Our website is now victorypoint.org. Go to victorypoint.org. Scroll down just a little bit. You'll see this graphic and you'll see a link where you can click um, to, to access this. Okay? But uh, what we've done is we've taken the Gospel of Luke and we've divided it up into five readings each week. Monday through Friday is the goal. And uh, so if you were to follow this and you were to follow you know, what's written under each day throughout this whole series, you will read through the entire Gospel of Luke. Um, so I, I encourage you to, to use this. And, and actually what's kind of cool too is under, in this gray shaded box here, um, there's usually three or four questions that as you read the scriptures that you can then um, use to process what you're reading and, and use to kind of stir up kairos, to stir up how God's getting your attention and what he's saying to you and what you're going to do in response to it. So there's, there's scripture readings and there's questions that you can use um, to, to read through the gospel of Luke together. And I would encourage you to use this individually, but to also consider you know, using this as a family what if this becomes like what you do around the table at your evening meals, even if it's not every night, but some nights, maybe you read the scripture passage, maybe you discuss it and talk about it. This is something you could do with any groups that you are a part of. This is something you could do with your missional communities, um, in, include the children. Like, uh, this, Let's just journey through the gospel of Luke together and, and, and pay attention to what God is saying to us. Jillian talked about this earlier, but you know, it might be for the season of Lent, some of you like to participate in the discipline, the spiritual discipline of fasting. Um, I would encourage that. I mean, I know it sounds kind of ironic. We're talking, to, this whole series is about feasting and then there's fasting. But I think they can go together. I think they can go together. And um, it, it, I would invite you to consider fasting during the season of Lent. For, for many of you, that might be a new thing. Um, I would really strongly encourage you to, to take a look at an article we came across. Um, there's the, the website right there, gravityleadership.com, how to fast for Lent. There's, this is also on our webpage. You can find a link to that. Um, just some guys that uh, we really respect and know with Gravity Leadership wrote a, a great blog post on like fasting 101, kind of what it is, what it isn't. Here's some ideas that you could you know, consider if you want to consider fasting during Lent. Um, you know, from traditionally fasting from food or you know a 24 hour fast each week or fasting from different things like like one of the things I've chosen to to fast from during the season of Lent is Facebook I I just I'm taking a hiatus from Facebook until Easter and um that might not seem like a big deal to you but I I I am humbly realizing like how much time I spent on Facebook because I find myself now like even as I'm driving or in like I can only concentrate for so long, then let's go see what's on Facebook or even in the bathroom sometimes. I'm like, oh, I can't, you know, I can't look at Facebook. And, um, but, and I'm trying to use those moments when I find myself going to find that, that link, that app, um, instead like just using that time to talk to God 
and to listen to God and to pray to God. I mean, that's just one thing, you know, I'm doing as, a, as an expression of that. But um, if you're new to, to fasting, I'd encourage you to check out that article. It's really super good, and it might just stimulate some thoughts for you. Other things we're going to do along the way. We're going to actually have communion meals a couple times during this series. One, obviously, this morning. Um, we'll do it again later in the series. We're also going to have some communal meals as a family. We're, we're going to actually gather the Victory Point family around the table together. The first one is actually happening next Sunday. Okay, Next Sunday, after the gathering, everyone's invited to kind of go over here into the gathering room and enjoy a family meal together. Um, we're calling it the Idaho Down. It's kind of is our theme. We're going to have a baked potato kind of meal um, with some side salads and desserts. There's going to be uh, some fun activities like a, a photo booth, you know, with some props. You can get a photo taken. Just a chance to sit across the table and talk to people and to meet people and to um, grow as a family. So I'd encourage you to, to make plans to be part of that. Um, we'd, we'd love for you to sign up at the welcome table today if you haven't yet. Just sign up what you're going to bring. Maybe you're going to bring some baked potatoes. Maybe you're going to bring a, you know, some other things. Uh, make sure you sign up for that. But even if you forget to sign up, come next Sunday and let's have a meal together. We're going to do that again on April 14. That's going to be actually an evening meal. Um, one of our missional communities, the Helping Hands Caring Hearts um, missional community, uh, is going to sponsor uh, like a taco dinner together for the Victory Point family. And in conjunction, uh, we're going to use it as a fundraiser where you can bring a donation if you want. And uh, we're going to bless Jillian Doctor. And uh, you guys heard her a few weeks ago talk about how she's going to go spend a gap year in Africa working at Beautiful Gate Orphanage. And um, this, this dinner will be an opportunity for you to drop a donation in a bucket and to really bless her and also have some family time together. Around tacos. I mean, how can you not enjoy tacos? And then, after that, you're all invited to come on into here, and we're just going to have a night of praise and worship and prayer together. Um, so it's going to be a great night on April 14. And then lastly, um, I got a challenge for us. Uh, in addition to all these things, I want to invite and challenge you to consider what it would look like to invite people to have a meal with you each week. I mean, we're talking about a meal with Jesus. We're talking about how meals were such an integral, significant part of Jesus's mission strategy. They should be part of our strategy, and they're so simple. We do it every day. We eat and drink every day. What would it look like um, to have more intentional meals together as a family during this series? Meals where, like, put the devices aside, turn the TV off, and really engage each other. In, in conversation. And what would it look like if maybe once a week you invited somebody else to your table? I mean, that's not that hard. But what if once a week you made a goal to, to sit around the table, you know, to invite people over or even invite them out to a table at a restaurant somewhere where you could sit around a table and, and have conversation and talk about life and um, to help you with that, like Brendan's even put like some, some questions down here. So at the bottom of this weekly resource, there's a spot right here where you can kind of keep yourself accountable to this challenge. Where you can put in here like, okay, so Jesus came eating and drinking. So I plan to eat and drink with name on this day 
at this place, at this time. There's even a question down here. If, you, if you're struggling, like, well, what do I talk about? What do I say? Here's an icebreaker. Here's a question that you can use to stimulate some conversation. Um, I think this would be awesome if we all took this seriously and attempted to, it might not happen once a week, but what if it, le- but what if it did? What if once a week you had somebody new around your table? I mean, when you look around this room, I'm guessing you don't know everybody in this room. What if you invited someone to have a meal with you? What if you just invited them over? Like, hey, I see you. I don't really know you. I would love to get to know you and your family. Would you guys like to come over for dinner? Like to go out for dinner? We'd like to take you out. I mean, just something like that. Like, what if you did that with different people throughout this series? Imagine how that could grow your fellowship. What if you did that with, like, the people in your neighborhood? That you, they, they've been living there for years and you don't really know them. What if you invited them over? What if during this series, you could even blame your church, like my church is doing this thing and I'm supposed to invite people. Like, do you want to come over for dinner because I'm supposed to get to know you? I bet you would actually get to know them and you could have some fun. You know, like, like people at work, people at school. What would it look like to in, intentionally leverage something you're doing already, you're already eating a meal, to leverage that to invite others in? Let's do that. Let's see what happens. Let's see what kind of grace and community and mission we discover around the table. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. and We're going to conclude today and we're going to launch this Lent series, A Meal with Jesus, by together eating and drinking the meal that Jesus gave us to remember him by. I don't think about this. Consider this. I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't think it's a coincidence that the Son of Man who came eating and drinking gave us a meal to remember him by. I don't think that's a coincidence. He gave us a meal to remember him by. He didn't give us a cross. I mean, there is the cross, but he didn't give us a symbol or anything like that to remember him by. But he gave us an experience around the table. He gave us things that are tangible to remember him by. At this table, at this table, we receive, we actually partake, take in, consume the grace and the mercy of Christ. Around this table, we lay down our weapons and we pick up common elements of bread and juice and we experience community and unity. This table, this table that Jesus gave us, it's a tangible reminder of our salvation purchased with Jesus' broken body and his shed blood. At this table, we are reminded of the hope in the promise of what will be someday at that great feast, at that great banquet where we all bring our chairs together and sit around the table with Jesus at the culmination of the kingdom of heaven. At this table, we receive bread for the journey, for the mission that we now partner in and participate with Jesus. So I'm going to invite those who are going to help serve us communion this morning, if you'll come forward. They're going to each take the elements and 
station themselves in front of each section. And as they do that, I just, I'm going to skip ahead in the Gospel of Luke. I'm going to skip ahead to that meal that Jesus had with his disciples. I'm just going to read the words like Luke pens them. He says this in Luke 22, beginning in verse 14. Said, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks. And he said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And listen to this. He took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. We're gonna conclude our our gathered time together this morning with just an expression of worship, of song, and communion around the table. The way we do it here at Victory Point is in just a minute, I'll ask you to stand. We're going to begin singing. And as we begin singing, you are welcome to come and share in the communion table today. Um, What we ask is that you kind of leave to the left, come on up front, rip off a piece of bread, dip it in the juice, take it. These people will share a few words with you. And then kind of return to the right, back to your row. But come, Victory Point family. All things are ready. The one who came eating and drinking has invited us to his table. He wants you at his table. Let's remember him in the way that he gave us to remember him by. Let's stand, let's sing, and let's experience communion together.